to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Nikki Gemmell is the author of the acclaimed and controversial The Bride Stripped Bear. She is perhaps an unlikely convert to mainstream Christianity. Ever since her parents divorced when she was 10 years old, the ritual of church attendance disappeared from her life and other things took priority. In a recent Sunday Life article, she described her 20s as too busy, too hungry, too grasping for any commitment to Christ or to the church. A career in journalism and writing and a desire to live it up were her main goals. After a time as a presenter on Australia's grooviest radio station, Triple J, she moved to London where she read the news for the BBC and worked on her now celebrated novels. It was there that she found Christ. While in London, she and her husband discovered the solace of Evensong, she said, at a local church of England. The combination of prayers, scripture readings, psalms and choral music was a long way from Triple J, but the effect on this couple was significant. It completely stilled me, she remembers, and brought me into an experience of calm. Later, she was invited to another, more contemporary church in London's famous Notting Hill. This service, too, was to have a lasting influence. We went along, she said, because an Aussie friend was having a child christened there. And we were so taken, we've gone there ever since. Gemmel is now a keen sermon note-taker, she says, and part of the welcoming roster at church. She is refreshingly open about her newfound faith and is enjoying the opportunity to instill her faith in her young boys. Nikki Gemmell's story is one of many I've heard over the years that emphasise the unusual effect of a simple church service on one's journey of faith. Now, I used to brush aside stories like these, preferring to hear and retell the testimonies of people who attended special evangelistic events, the sort of thing I preached at regularly, where the straight-shooting 20-minute gospel presentation was the star of the missionary story. But neither the Evensong service Gemmell attended, nor the christening service she was so taken with, was intentionally evangelistic. Both, though, exerted an influence for the gospel in the lives of Nikki and her husband. The humble church service was a powerful promotion of the news of Christ. This is what I want to explore over the next few nights. As far back as the Psalms of ancient Israel, the gathered praise of God was understood in part to be a declaration of God's power and mercy within earshot of those who didn't yet believe. Consider the famous Psalm 96. Let me read it to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. This is one of several psalms in the Bible where the singing of God's praises, which is what the psalms were designed for, is described as a declaration of God's marvellous deeds within earshot of outsiders. 
You can also see this in Psalm 57, Psalm 66, and Psalm 108. But Psalm 96 is particularly interesting because idol-worshipping Gentiles, the families of nations, are actually addressed directly in this song. They are actually invited to come into God's courts in the temple and join in the worship of the one true God. Psalm 117 verse 1 issues the same kind of invitation. It says, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. Ancient Jerusalem was a bustling international city, and Jewish synagogues were scattered throughout the Mediterranean. It's not difficult then to close your eyes and imagine crowds of pagans listening to songs of praise like these and beginning to feel themselves addressed by words like, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. King Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple makes clear also that he expected non-Jews to come to the temple. He longed that Gentiles would come to Jerusalem and join in Israel's praise. You can see that for yourself in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 41 forward. The second Jerusalem temple, the one standing in Jesus' day, had a court especially built for Gentiles. It's often said that this court of the Gentiles was intended to keep Gentiles separate from Jews. But that's only part of the story. The court of the Gentiles was mainly designed to allow pagans to learn and take part in Israel's praise of the one true God. And it may surprise you to know that many Jews in the period between the Old and New Testaments took very seriously this idea of public praise as an act of mission. They knew full well that the collective praise of God in the synagogue or the temple was one of God's ways of convincing Gentiles to bow the knee to the Lord. And in some cases, the Jews had great success. We know that numerous synagogues in the first century attracted great crowds of pagans wanting to know more about the God of the Jews. Josephus, a Jewish aristocrat and Pharisee of the first century, tells us that in Antioch, the capital of ancient Syria and third largest city in the Roman Empire, synagogue services attracted considerable crowds of pagans. Let me read to you from this first century text. The Jewish colony in Antioch grew in numbers. They were constantly attracting to their religious ceremonies multitudes of Greeks, and these the Jews had in some measure incorporated with themselves. From the psalm singing of ancient Israel, to the synagogue services of Jesus' day, public praise of the true God was believed to serve a missionary function. This was not the purpose of the gatherings. I'm not suggesting these were Jewish seeker services. But it was considered an important byproduct of corporate praise of God. And the point I want to explore next time is that our praises as Christian churches can have the same powerful effect on those who overhear us, praise our Lord and God. Hope 103.2. Thanks for listening.